0: Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson.
1: Today's episode features Kristen Hanna, yoga teacher out of Houston, Texas, and the creative mind behind blissful birth yoga, locally based but accessible to all through virtual platforms. She's also a mama and currently awaiting the arrival of another little one any day now. Hello, Kristen. Welcome to the show
2: hey there ladies thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> yes so wonderful
0: to have you here um it's so interesting i just wanted to like put out that we actually met through the virtual space you had tagged us in your birth story like post on so on instagram and it was absolutely beautiful <laughs> it was such like just a beautiful way to describe your birth in words um and so we were like, hey, thanks for the tag. If you ever feel led,
2: <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. I really, I, I appreciate you ladies for having such an expansive platform where so many people can share their stories and find themselves within the stories you all hold space to have others share. So it's been wonderful to follow you all virtually and to follow along with y'all's podcast And it's just empowering specifically for women of color. Um, Obviously there's still disparities within medical care. So just finding a space where you feel seen and as a mom, and then also uh, you, you feel like you can be raw, transparent, celebratory. A lot of your episodes just touch on all of these different virtues that you find in motherhood. So I just appreciate you guys allowing for that and, allowing all of us mothers to see ourselves in your stories. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> for having me. <laughs> I'm yeah. honored.
0: Yes, we're honored. Seriously, every single time. Such an honor to be able to hold space for everybody. But before we jump into all the goodness, can you start off by
2: telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? So as I said, my name Kristen Hanna and um, I have a partner. He, is wonderful, very engaged, loving man. And uh, we have a beautiful daughter. She's very radiant in spirit. And she is going to be two in about two weeks. Uh, And then we have another one, like they said, um, coming at any point whenever he decides to make his arrival. (laughs) Um, So we're going to be a family of four. And moving through that transition, I am a yoga instructor, as they said, a yoga meditation guide and since having my first my emphasis is really in prenatal yoga and birth preparatory meditation Um, i'm also starting to look other ways to expand birth work um, using my knowledge of breath work and movement and how those things can really help specifically in labor and delivery so i'm looking at uh, possibly becoming a doula at some points i'm also in the midst of curating a meditation journal and guide um, for empowering women along pregnancy and then through the transition with birth and then motherhood Um, so i'm super excited about that to get that published eventually uh, just to kind of seek to expand myself in a way that um, helps other women uh, specifically women who are going through the pregnancy journey so it's an everyday thing, you know. Finding the way that your talents and your gifts can really help and serve other people.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy, current or previous? First, previous, yeah. All right. So with um,
2: pregnancy with Anaya, it was it was interesting. I, you know, I had never necessarily planned to be or uh dreamed or aspired to be pregnant or to be a mother i had always grown up with this very neat aunt who was not a mother and so i always thought oh you know if i was childless you know if i had time to travel if i just did you know uh, single things it would be Perfectly good, you know, with me. And so I found out, though, while I was in uh, North Africa, actually, I was in Morocco, and I was working at a yoga retreat center um, that... (laughs) we had a great time rendezvous before I left (laughs) and I was pregnant. So I ended up being like overseas pregnant and trying to maneuver through how to, um, sustain that work visa that I wanted to, um, you know, go through, which was about three months and also have care whenever I was out of the country. And it ended up going seamlessly. Like my boss had an OB that was really, really um, understanding. And there's a little bit of a a language barrier there, but it ended up being totally fine. So I went to him, I was able to get my ultrasounds and get my care up until about 16 weeks. I think I left around 18 weeks. And when I came back, um, I found that, you know, I didn't have a doctor in town where we were at, So I looked into a lot of different birthing options. I looked into midwifery and I, we decided to go with a midwife after interviewing her and really enjoying um, and connecting with her. So we went more the home birth route. Um, She also has a wonderful birthing center too, but that pregnancy was very smooth, thankfully. And I credit a lot of it to staying active and moving doing yoga um, being within my meditation practice and also just finding myself doing the things that I normally would do I definitely looked at pregnancy as um, as an expansive part of life and not that it was in any way going to set me back or keep me from doing the things that I enjoyed doing other than like enjoying a cocktail. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I really went on and kept doing the things I like to do. I like to go out and dance with my friends. And since I didn't have any other kids at that point, I would still do that, you know? And it was just a really fun loving pregnancy. And I had a really enjoyable time during that.
0: I love how you described it as an expansive part of life. Um, Cause I do think that sometimes when, especially with first pregnancies, first births, people do like, okay, what can I not do? Um, and think about all the things that they cannot do and they have to stop instead of it looking at like, yes, I'm growing a human. And unless my body and baby tell me that it's not okay. Right. Let's just make it happen. Um, right? unless of course it's like you said, like a cocktail or <laughs> Sushi, but um, you know, just really taking it as an opportunity to still um, do those things, do the things that make you happy, do the things that you've done before, and then just um, listening to your body and baby about how it feels um, in this part of your life. So I, I really love
2: how you described it as that. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately, uh for any woman but specifically being a younger mother who wasn't necessarily expecting to be expecting (laughs) um i found that i really for my livelihood and for my spirit it was best that i just sustain the things that i enjoyed doing um if they were healthy and just continue to do those things and i'm finding that motherhood is the same it's the same way you know um that we have to continue both myself and my partner doing what we love to do. and We have passion for and inviting her side by side with us while we do that. So something we love to do is travel. And, uh, it's intimidating when you take an infant, especially a newborn on their first road trip, um, (laughs) or their first trip in general, the first plane ride, but it's important to sustain your, um, elements of self-care self-love or what fulfills your soul uh to just ask and invite that your child go side by side and then just see how they react to it you know
0: exactly giving them an opportunity to say whether or not it fits what they want to do um and of course you know all the systems are not made for when especially when it comes to traveling for us with little ones, but I think there's, you know, you can prep for the, you can, you can prep as much as you can for a lot of things, but I do think it's, um, it is really cool and awesome to see when you are doing those things and how exciting and fulfilling it can be to have your kids alongside with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we tell our storytellers all the time, like you will see, you will hear our children on this podcast because that's just what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> definitely, definitely, and it's sometimes more intentional, conscious planning to bring them along, you know. Right, uh, but ultimately, I every time she's ever gone on a trip, she's always enjoyed herself. Of course, transitionally, there's hiccups, maybe she misses a nap or something someday, but she's always enjoyed it, and I just think it's the energy you also bring when you are introducing things to your children just like in pregnancy the energy you bring is transition into your child and your baby you know which is something we talk about a lot yoga is like you know as moms well sometimes i don't know if we know our true power over like the peace in our household you know what i'm saying or the peace in our dwelling space so we kind of give that down to our children we give it down to our babies when they're in utero manifesting and then we Continue to as they grow up. That is so powerful.
0: Danny always calls it um, <laughs> when I'm, our, our, we are the sun and our children are always seeking us.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: And so thinking about that and then what you just said like, yes, the power that we have over that. That is that's so true.
1: Ah, yes. <laughs> So I love the, the piece of um just reminding ourselves and other parents that the children are coming into your setup. They're coming into your family, right? And that it's not this create a whole new world and space for them. Like, no, join us. <laughs> Come along for the ride. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> right. Welcome. <laughs>
2: Welcome. And then, you know, everybody has their own belief. But I, I truly believe that kids are very much entrusted and destined to certain parents and vice versa, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I always say, well, I'm glad they chose to be here with us, you know? And there's a reason why, like we have something to offer them and vice versa, you know, it's a give and take and and the universe doesn't revolve around our children. You know, I think that's a, it's a tough lesson for them to learn, but as you just guide them step-by-step, and allow them to understand that um, for any person. You know, the universe doesn't center around. Um, I think it's just a, a virtue that when taught young, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful guiding space.
0: Absolutely. Oh, so many gems already. Gosh, what happened here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so you talked a little bit about um, interviewing midwives. What were some other things that you both did to prepare for
2: the birth and was it something that you were thinking about throughout pregnancy? So I'll start by saying that my partner and I are both from quite traditional families where like nobody has home birth before us. Uh, most everybody has had their babies in the hospital, probably up until like, you know, if you go back three, four generations, maybe you start to see home birth again just by necessity. Um, so I believe we were both uncertain at first about that journey into midwifery. And because I just didn't have a doctor at that point, it kind of, it kind of guided us into having to make a different decision, you know, and to pivot and find something different that really spoke to both of us. So I know Rodney was really uncertain at first and thankfully the midwife really came in and educated us. And that was one big thing within the entire pregnancy for both of us was being educated. So that's one thing we did to prepare. We read certain books. I know I read probably more (laughs) about, you know, natural birthing, Ina May's guide to natural childbirth. I thought it was a beautiful read. Uh, It's got a lot of goodies in there. And um, for Rodney, I think tangibly going to a birthing class was really good for him to find ways that he could comfort. Because if you're home birthing, you also know that there's not going to be um, synthetic pain relief. So you prepare for that sometimes differently because there are ways to access um, some discomfort relief, we'll call it that, as opposed to pain, some discomfort relief uh, naturally in the way that you'll do hip squeezes or holds, um, massages, oils, you know, all the things. So I think for us, especially for the first pregnancy, was education, just being educated. Um, because even with a midwife, you have to be your first advocate. And we started to learn that very quickly that you know, our birth story and what we wanted to plan it to be, even though it always goes a little different than planned, um, started with us. It started through us and it started with us taking initiative and taking a lot of time, you know, to ask questions and to become curious uh, and not to allow ourselves to slip comfortably into another person's experience even if it was a familial experience and to take intentionality when we start to look at the subjects of birthing birthing at home uh, what we wanted why we wanted those things you know because i do think we live in like a culture where we do look around and we kind of compare you know and that's understandable it's very natural to try to find your space with other people It doesn't always have to be an awful thing, but you'll see on Instagram and you see these beautiful water birds and I love them, you know, but, you know, as I progress into pregnancy and then finding the second pregnancy and stuff, I'm starting to see that's not for everybody, you know? So understanding that you should know what you want and how it will look, but also why, You know, that there's actually reason behind water birds and why they are so therapeutic. You know, there's reason behind this and why it's so therapeutic. There's reasons behind um, yoga poses and why they're so therapeutic during pregnancy. There's certain yoga poses you shouldn't do during pregnancy, you know, because they're not going to help you with progressing and they're not going to help you with birth. So why do them? You know, so I think that that was a huge thing for me, too, was emphasizing for myself the why, I want to do this and why, you know?
0: Not the, the comparisons are real, but does it match what I want? Like that's,
1: yes. Or what I actually even like, right? Like it looks cool on Instagram, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't like getting my hair wet. So you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that's me, but that's like some people are just like, yes, (laughs) like it would look good in a still shot but are you going to just hop right back out <laughs> right yes <laughs> um and we talk about this all the time in in the terms of like romanticizing the water birth and the midwifery experience and the home birth and like laurel is a home birth champ like she knows what this is and <laughs> it's
0: work right yes so. yes and I, and I think you, you put it so well because there was another time we were talking about it and I was like trying to, I had, I had said something about it. I texted Danny and I was like, I feel like I um, described it as like, you're still not doing work. I just feel like I described it wrong about how the work that is required for a home birth and it is true. You're not, you're not in a space where you're going to have synthetic support. And so you really do have to prep on like, what can I do if this is what I really want to do, if this is my goal is to, to maintain this birth, because yes, you can transfer if you want, like, but that is an option and you plan for that, whether it's emergency or not. Um, but if this is what I want, what are the things that I can do to ensure that I, I have um, management over discomfort, um, that I feel supported, that I still feel strong in this and I feel like I can accomplish this. and that, not only is it physical, but a lot of it is mental because you can easily scare yourself out of doing it. Um, And I think the way that you described it, uh, like really put that,
2: what I was thinking into words. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, as a prenatal yoga instructor, I always ride the balance of making birth approachable and natural because it is. And also letting women know it's intense and it needs preparation. It deserves preparation, you know? Because I've found myself doing the same thing sometimes where I make it sound as if it's not as challenging or as intense as it is. Because after you're holding the baby and you have all these hormones rush over you, you know, you begin to
1: maybe forget.
2: Or suppress, or just remember, and like you said, romanticize or glorify what it was like to go through that labor. Um, But as a prenatal yoga instructor, I like to try to ride that balance. And like you said, having, um, I like what you said, uh, support. So that support uh, a lot of times can look like meditation. And that's what it was like for me during our birth story. And meditation and yoga is great for every woman who's pregnant, no matter what kind of birth they want to have, no matter what they're planning on having from home birth to plan C-section because it's beautiful for a recovery as well. But specifically for people who are going into natural births, I believe it's um, necessary. <laughs> you know, I believe meditation and being able to take yourself away from the uh, particular experience and become more observant of yourself is necessary because of how intense it can get and every birth story is a little different but right
0: it is a full body experience
2: okay (laughs) and it's an Um, hour
1: yes your hair be on fire sometimes too like it's just you know (laughs) everything it encompasses all the things and it is important to note Is what you're saying too um, especially for moms listening first time moms first pregnancies um you can literally get high off that oxytocin after your birth and be sitting there like i want another baby like <laughs> <laughs> you just had a baby people
0: looking
2: at you like wait a second you just said you were never doing this again
1: <laughs> never <ever. laughs>
2: Yes. I, you know, and, and I think that that's something as women, like I, like I really enjoy y'all's show because you give space for all the wrong transparent too. And it's just necessary that we talk over people with life and positivity and we tell them all the good things birth can be. Because I think, like you said, Laura, like it starts in the mind. That mind is so powerful. So if you've seen images of birth, Which a lot of people have that are very traumatic images on movies, or they'll hear it from somebody who really needs to spill their horrific birth stories all over people who are pregnant. You know, it can start to cause your mind to tell your body things about itself that's not true that you can't do it or that it's not accessible to you or whatever. Um, But you also want to balance that with telling people that it is intense, it's challenging. Uh, One of my birthing teachers are birth class teachers guides said you know would you ever sign up for a marathon and not run miles every day to get to a point that you'd be comfortable running that marathon when it's time you know and she's like so you should prepare for birth the same way you would a marathon and take it piece by piece um each day adding on to your knowledge or Um, like you said, finding things that help with um, supporting you um, during your discomforts, you know, just adding on so that you have this working knowledge when you get to a point when you're birthing. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Because um, I think it's uh, Dr. Sakina recently was something on her Instagram page. cannot remember the quote, but it was something about like, being empowered through our education um and uh, you know we all you hear all the time your body and in, in, you were made to do this mm-hmm. yes and <laughs> and i'm a whole person with a whole experience with a whole body that wasn't like that person so mm-hmm. i need to prepare with as much education and and things that support me in this body and this
2: person
1: um, absolutely
2: Absolutely. And, you know, just as the body might be intuitive, I always, I'm very much a big believer in the mind working first and how the mind really can set barriers. You know, it can set limits to the body. Uh, If you continually tell yourself something, it will manifest itself in the body. And it's not woohoo. I mean, it's very biological and your muscles actually tense up you know Mm -hmm. the gateway in which you're trying to deliver this child if you get too much in your mind it tenses up you know uh so that's also something I, I try to touch on and I always not try to I do touch on in prenatal is the fact that having that breath and sustaining your breath in a way that's steady neutralizes that nervous system that wants to go into fight or flight when you have the adrenaline pumping, when you have those hormones pumping. Um, And it just kind of levels you out. It gives you something that's uh, discomfort relief. It's not obviously synthetic support, like you said, but it gives you that that relief. And I don't know, did you find that, Laurel, like where you could find that your breath?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like when I reflect back on points where I did start to like lose myself and was like, this isn't going to work. I just remember my doula, um, and my husband kind of be like, okay, well let's, let's do the breathing exercises for a little bit, um, to remind me like you're here right now. Let's like focus in on this. And let's not focus in on like, you're freaking out because you think that something else is about to happen. Um, so yes, that breath work was
2: imperative for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. I think during birth, it's like you said, it feels like something's about to happen, which it is.
0: right. It's not
2: within, it's not within our time. Right. I tell everybody hide all the clocks this time. Every single one.. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? Because ultimately, like there's no way you can rush something that's going to naturally happen right? And um, you can only really surrender to that. There's no way you can rush it. And it's interesting, though, when you come up on every wave, or you know how some people will say contractions, I'm always trying to switch my lingo up, though. Contractions don't really sound as good. So really talking about labor in a way that's approachable, like these waves. So every time you come up on a wave, you know, especially with the first birth, Sometimes you almost want like a report card. Like, what's it gonna? Are we almost there? Are we closer? Are we? You know, and you almost feel it's imminent. Every wave you go through, and then when you look back on it, after the oxytocin wears off, you know, when you look back on it, even a year after, you say it took a lot of waves to get to the point where I had my baby. Like, you know, but in the moment, you can find yourself counting them, or you know, and sometimes people. Uh, people actually feel uh, it's therapeutic to count breaths or to use numerical like value in order to, in some way, work through. For me, it's not, it's very, <laughs> it causes a lot of anxiety. Everybody has a different way of coping. But I think sometimes when we have an idea of what labor's gonna be like, or how quickly it's gonna go, or what time we're gonna have this baby, um, we become very attached to that, and it becomes um, it becomes a feeling of failure, you know, to progress, which sometimes people will even have people say that to them in the hospital, like, you're failing to progress, you know. But ultimately, pro- progressing in birth looks very different, it looks completely different for every woman
1: who goes through it. Yes, definitely re- reminding women that progress can be a rotation. Progress can be, you know, <laughs> that you're relaxed now. <laughs> like that's, yeah, definitely. Um, so now something can happen. <laughs> so you're absolutely right with that. And as we talk more about birth, I want you to go ahead and go and share, like, your birth experience with us. Uh,
2: so uh, love birth stories. I love to hear them. <laughs> I love the to tone. <laughs> so, uh, for us with Anaya, um, I had kind of seen or felt myself shifting probably with, within a week of having her. Uh, looking back, you know, first she started with kind of the cramps, the menstrual cramp type feelings that come and go, you know, very sporadically. So, I caught that on Wednesday um and i was a server at this time so i was still serving you know working doubles and like i said just living life and um friday came and i had a yoga class to teach in the morning and i was starting to have contractions to a point where i was thinking i need to call in a sub so i called somebody in and uh, my partner actually he's a football coach so he was supposed to go to washington state from texas to play in a game up in Washington state on Saturday. So he was leaving Friday. And so I told my midwife, I was like, I think you should come over and maybe talk to him. (laughs) You might want to talk to him and let him know, like things might be, might be really progressing. You know, I might even have you come check. And so she's like, yeah, I want to come check and see. And so, um, you know, a lot of times you don't, don't do vaginal checks with a midwife, but that was kind of an exception. Because we kind of wanted to see, and I was three and a half centimeters dilated. So my body had already been progressing, which was really neat for me uh, that my body had already gotten to that point, you know, but I hadn't really had any active labor. And she was like, Yeah, he needs to stay. You don't know when you're gonna have this baby. Um, and she really had thought, Okay, it would be Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. I was like, Okay. So I had my friends over. Um, Friday afternoon they brought some food over and that was just that was fun that was so good because the contractions were so light at that point um, and it was like i I say I call it like the last supper like this last time with my friends uh, both of them were single did not have any kids and this is like the last time we were communing together as sisters before like I entered this motherhood journey um, so that was a beautiful time and so. We got to Saturday, and it was just progressing so lightly, but the contractions were getting heavier. You know, they were still spaced out quite a bit, but they were stronger. And, you know, we were we're first timers, so we're looking at each other and saying, "So you think it'll be today, or what?" You know, <laughs> and uh, and then also with home birthing, there's not the same event of getting in the car and deciding you're going to go to the hospital, you know, so you're just kind of like there, you're, <laughs> you're waiting on the show, you know, that everybody talks about. And, um, you know, so Saturday goes on and Saturday night, it got, it got pretty intense. And my midwife came over, she's like, have you been sleeping? I'm like, yeah, a little bit, but I've been uncomfortable. So she put me in a bathtub full of like hot water it was a hot bath. And she was like, I want you to just lay there for a little bit and see what happens. And it's so interesting. Some of the wisdom midwives will come with and even OB sometimes. And, um, and the contractions like subsided and I slept in the bathtub all night. <laughs> so on Saturday I slept in the bathtub for, from 12 to like five, five 30. And, um, and then we got to Sunday, and it was pretty much a replay of Saturday. I mean, a lot of contracting, but not a lot of action. Like, it was it was bizarre, and it was very different than what I had imagined birth to be. I thought birth was going to be this cascade and just an avalanche of different things going on. Um, but it was just slow and steady. I watched Amy Wong stand up. <laughs> baby cobra Uh, because I needed a good laugh and I was like this is relevant and I just watched that and I had a great laugh Rodney actually ended up going to work on Sunday because his team had come back so I was like go to work you know do whatever at this point I was like is baby coming like I don't know (laughs) so I was just on my birthing ball bouncing and you know and Sunday was a time where I felt relaxed i'd gone through friday and saturday of waiting and wondering and sunday i was like okay this is what it is this is my day of rest i'm gonna chill and let it be so by the time we got home on sunday night though i think really me allowing myself to enjoy um started to create more action um and by sunday night you know i was popping up out of bed every time a contraction with it holding on to the side of the bed and just feeling for the first time I think more intensity as it escalated. And um I called my midwife over because the contraction was uh, pretty close together at this point. And um uh, bathtub again was not comfortable, was not the move. So then she got me out and she was like, you know, I'm gonna stay with you guys until we have this baby now. She really wanted to like keep my progress. And so Rodney was sleeping back in our room and my midwife and I were sleeping on the couches in the living room. And I was still popping up, squirming every time a contraction would hit. And she looked at me and she was like, Kristen, you need to chill. Like you, you need to rest. Like I'm gonna need you to rest. You know, she was like, You you've already been, you know, she kind of explained to me like you've already been progressive. Uh, this seems like it's going to be a progressive labor. So you, you need to chill because you need to have um, the power and energy when it comes time, you know, to deliver the child. And that was an emotional moment for me. And I also think it, it challenged me because I was a meditation guy. And so I thought, oh, I can be chill and I can... I know how to meditate, I know how to breathe, I know how to do all these things. But in that moment, I felt I had no resource. I just felt so stuck. And I felt a wave of worry almost. Like, do I know how to chill? In this moment, can I really chill? You know. And so um, you know, she went back over and laid on the couch and I just really laid there. And at first I was just as stuck as a board. And I was looking up at the ceiling and I just was like, okay, I guess I just need to start breathing. Like that's where I'm going to start, you know? Um, And I really, at that point, (laughs) I questioned my own meditation practice, but I was like, this is the formula I tell everybody else about. So I'm going to put it into play. We're going to try it out. (laughs) So sure enough, you know, I started to breathe and I started to really try to drop in like, just drop into, like I said, the formula, not as much worrying about what the problem was at the time or the issue. When I say problem, I mean, like, what I'm trying to solve and be like, this is the formula, though, of how you solve when you're in a stressful situation. So I'm just going to put it into action. And so I started to take very deep breaths. You know, I, I really didn't even close my eyes. I remember just looking up at the ceiling at what for what seemed like hours you know and by this time I'm not looking at any of the clocks and she said this to me you know in the middle of the night and I can just remember pretty vividly that I didn't necessarily sleep but I was finding rest in being still and allowing what was happening in my body to continue to happen in my body but not feeling that I had to be reactive every time it did so You know, I tell people, I'm like, you know, I I thought up in my mind these visions and I really meditated, which I had meditated this particular meditation during pregnancy, but it really helped me during birth, was just the expansive nature of womanhood and how each woman in our family when you look back in generations, and my family and my partner's family, had births that took place, and those babies had births that, you know, took place, and they had babies, and and so it all culminated into this moment where I was birthing this baby, you know, and that always just gets me is that ancestral wisdom and knowledge of birth, you know, and really how intuitively the body is designed to do this, and that. You know, many of our ancestors had no frill birds whatsoever, you know. And um, so I had this beautiful vision at some point where it felt I was in the middle of a clearing in a woods where all of these women were like coming around me, you know, and that was just such a beautiful image. And I can remember it being so empowering in that moment where I thought about from behind the trees, just all of the women who have birthed in the past down our whole entire family lines coming out and being around me in that moment. And I think that those types of images that I really had visit me that night is what moved me through to the morning. (laughs) Because you know, in birth, sometimes you will hit certain points where you wonder if you can do it, you know? And um, Sunday night I was definitely there. So by accessing these powerful meditations and these mental tools, I was really able to push past those points of asking myself, can I do it, you know? uh, And getting beyond the limits of really humanhood. Many of us, (laughs) you know, have never accessed that and men have never accessed that, you know, but being a, being a birther, you know, in those moments and in birth, you become aware of like the divine spirit of limitlessness, you know. So it was beautiful. And uh <laughs> We ended up eventually having her on Monday, <laughs> uh, but it was Monday night. I mean, it was 8.26 at night. So, you know, I, I call the, the night leading up to that, like the night of many meditations, uh, because it was till about, I think, 6.30 is whenever I actually rose up. And Rod and I took a nice walk after that. But I felt so energized. And that's, that's whenever I became... A, a believer of meditation although i had been a meditation guide before that challenge that i was able to surpass through meditation really made me like a believer and an advocate <laughs> for meditation specifically as it pertains to birth
1: Oh, so powerful um as you were talking like i was thinking like can you imagine if men gave birth? Like it was just like because it is so much... <laughs> It's just like it's not to say that they wouldn't be these completely different beings because maybe men would be if they were the birthers. <laughs> um I'm just thinking like just this womanhood and just this idea of um like as baraka said one of our um storytellers before um birthing our ancestors and just these visuals that you have for during your meditation they're just beautiful and so on point and it's like in my head now right so yeah
0: absolutely and if those were the images that we had more of <laughs> like the power in that um and I also think about um, the point you were like, you know, how the midwife challenged you about a practice that you teach mm-hmm. and how you didn't even like know that that was something you were struggling with. And then it was like, Oh wait. And I remember when people were like, Oh, are you going to get a doula? And I was like, absolutely. Because I know I can't doula myself. <laughs> and there were points during my birth where like, I was like, have I been doing this wrong? Like, what (laughs) do these things work? Like, what is going on? And my doula and my wife being like, trust the process. Just leave it alone. Stop interfering. And I mean, there was definitely a point. I remember I have told my doula this, but I looked at and I was like, I just wanted to be like, can you just stop? Leave me alone. I know that you're right, but just go away.
2: (laughs) Girl, that was me. My man had those affirmation cards up by me late afternoon on Monday. I was like, I don't need any more affirmations.
1: (laughs) I'm fully affirmed. A
2: couple weeks before or a month before, whenever you decide you're going to write out your affirmation cards, you might make them pretty. You're like, oh, yes. My body's designed for this and you, you say all these different things and they' it's all true it's all true it's all beautiful and I love affirmation cards I'm a big advocate I'll just say that before this but at one point when it got intense Rodney he was really trying and he was going through the affirmation and I was like brother you don't need I I know all those by heart I don't need any more affirmations <laughs> You can put those affirmations down on the table.
0: Just be
1: quiet at this point.
0: <laughs> Everyone, quiet. All right.
1: Do you yes. have a card that says be quiet? Right.
2: <laughs> Seriously. And that's, that's one of those things is whenever birth gets intense, you know, yes. that's the thing is you can have all these disciplines, but if you don't have the discipline, to use them and utilize them, or you don't have the people around you to support you, to say, this is what you want remember. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't um, it makes it very difficult to go through and have the birth that you dream for and wish for, for you and your baby, right? Um, to have that experience. So birth is also discipline too, I guess, yeah. really,
1: mm-hmm. you know. I'm glad he stayed home and stayed there with you because I can imagine that would have been a whole another piece of anxiety um, for you to be there alone or just depending on your midwife when the plan was of course for him to be there too so glad he made that choice for you and himself right <laughs> absolutely.
2: absolutely and you do I mean Laurel you said like you need people around you always in life and births are different where they're accountability partners, you know. They're not just yes women or yes men that are going to tell you what you want to hear, but they're going to tell you what you need to hear at the time, you know. And I think that that's, I mean, that's a life lesson I've started to learn as I grow up. And it's the same thing in birth, because birth is the intense, the most intense moment of your life magnified. If you think about any other moment that Mm -hmm. you've lived You know, the most discomfort you ever felt, felt magnified. The most excited you've ever felt magnified, you know, is birth.
0: So can you um, tell us how postpartum was for you?
2: Postpartum for me with Anaya was actually pretty smooth, Um, but it was emotional. Postpartum can be very emotional, and uh, and I found that uh, there was a time I want to say within the first four or five days that I was riding like we said that wave of just uh, energy oxytocin that pop of excitement and I'm, I'm thinking this is my baby and I'm doting over her and nursing her all the time which is one thing in postpartum I wasn't quite ready for it everybody told me but I didn't know nursing on demand meant nursing all the time. That's what it means usually for most babies. So that was, that was surprising. But around day four or five, I remember Rodney and I sitting down on the couch. He just got home from work and we were holding her and he was holding her specifically. And I looked over to him and I just started to bawl. Ladies, I just started to bawl. And of course it was because I'm looking at my man and he's nurturing our baby girl and it's all this beautiful love. But I started to really feel the weight of like the responsibility we had taken on as parents. (laughs) And this little fragile baby is in his hands. And I'm thinking, wow, we are here to guide her for her whole life, (laughs) like for our whole life. You know, so I felt this realization of sorts. It was almost like I came back into myself from the trip I had taken around the world, you know, or out of the world for the birth. And I came down and I was like, oh, okay. So we're here now. We're here now parenting and really taking on the responsibility of raising a human. And that to me was for whatever reason, very emotional and nearly surprising. Um, <laughs> and so postpartum after that, I think I was able to, which you'd have to ask Rodney as well, but I I feel like I was able to sustain. I thankfully did not have any, um, bouts with postpartum depression or anything like that, because I know that can be extremely, extremely difficult for women. Um, so I didn't have that. My mother came and helped me, which was a blessing. Like she was an angel in those moments that she came for, I want to say about three weeks. It really helped me out. And if there's a word that I could give to any women that are going through postpartum that I'm giving to myself daily. Okay. Cause I'm 40 weeks is that if someone asks how they can help find a task, you know, there's many things that need to be done at any particular point. And I think as women, sometimes we, Whatever reason, either don't want to be a burden, we want to seem like we have it all together, or we just simply don't want to disrupt other people's lives. We think it's all of our responsibility to sustain our household in every season, but we move through phases as women, and postpartum is one of those phases where you really need help, especially if you have other little ones and you have a partner and you're being called to do a lot and be a lot for a lot of people i believe that when people ask if they can help they want to help so that's an intention i have and something i'm sending out to other women who are in my classes is that hey if someone wants to help give them something that they can do Um, because i know this is uh it's a, a statement used often is like it takes a village You know, and I believe that there's a lot, a lot, a lot, which I've started to read about this pregnancy more than the last, Uh, but ancient cultures and even cultures that are present day, not the United States, where a mother will stay in bed with her baby for sometimes 40 days and people serve her and help her uh, cook food for her, bring it to her. Take care of the other children for her, you know. And while that might not be accessible to everybody, um, if it is accessible for you to have something that mimics that, maybe not as much like that, but mimics that um, type of help, then take it, you know. And this time around, I even told my mother, you know, I, I need you to come down uh, for three weeks again, I need you to help out with Anaya, um, while I take care of the baby and I build this bond with the baby. You know, I think sometimes we don't talk about either that postpartum is shocking for mother and baby. And that's what I found too with Anaya, that sharing one body for nine months deserves at least four weeks, six weeks you know, acclimating to being two separate humans, right? <laughs> and um, and so I'm taking that very seriously this time around. And I know with Anaya, um, thankfully, because she's my first child, it was easier for me to um, just rest and nurse. Um, I think if I'm talking... <laughs> just in great detail. And some of the other things I didn't expect postpartum, like you literally, a lot of women, uh, like you have porn star boobs, let's be (laughs) honest. like, they're all over the place. They're leaking all over the place. (laughs) Um, When you lay down, they're all over the bed. Like, so, you know, uh, that's an interesting thing too, is nursing and um, having, for a lot of women at the beginning, the surplus of milk that is everywhere. Um, (laughs) So that was an interesting thing, postpartum too, that comes to mind when I think about it. And postpartum taught me how to chill too, because, you know, I was moving all the time during pregnancy, doing yoga, and uh, wanting to just do all the things and be active. And postpartum teaches you that you need to settle down, you know, uh, and just kind of spend that time, that time with your baby if you can, so.
0: Yeah, I think finding that balance of being active, but also resting, <laughs> and that you need both for the whole journey of being a parent, like, you need all of it. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Krista, how are you preparing for your next birth That any moment, any day, any <laughs> To be honest, I'm doing less preparation. That's what it is.
2: <laughs> That's key. <laughs> I, I'll say when I say less preparation, what what I mean is less focus on what's about to come, and more focus on being present and engaged with like the little one I have right now, enjoying those times. And just living life as we would usually up until the point where I can't, you know, and you know what I'm talking about when it gets to a point in labor where the contractions are hitting to a point where you're like, I actually can't even take care of them anymore. Or, you know, I need to lay down I need to get in the tub. You know, that's how I see our our birth going this time is allowing it to be more casual up until the point where we have him and birth him. Um, and just looking at it like it is, which is really a natural progression and, um, and I just, I have my ears tuned into my body at this point, you know, and I'm taking the mind out of it. I've had maybe two different occasions where I've had, uh, a sense of, uh, concern maybe rise about, about. Wow, can I do this again? I guess labor is pretty intense. You know, I I kind of had those realizations in the last couple of weeks, a couple of times where I'm like, oh yeah, it is challenging. Y- yeah, but the only way he's gonna come out is yeah by birthing him. So <laughs> so that's been interesting. And when I have those, um, those thoughts, I almost immediately like that night, I'll talk to Ronnie about it and I'll meditate, pray over that and for the most part, it really has totally uh, cut it, you know, after doing that and just being aware that the front seat, along with our baby boy and and in my belief, God, and I think that all those different parts work and my space is to be the vessel and to co-create a miracle. So I'm just focused on that. And that's what I mean by preparing less so less outside sources, you know, I'm, I'll watch a video on birth. I'll watch a birth video. I'll, you know, I've read snippets of books during this pregnancy, but it just hasn't been as centric as last time, you know? Um, but I'm also in birthing communities that I wasn't in with an Anaya. So I see and intake a lot of birth uh, just by being my Instagram, my uh, prenatal yoga classes. Like I just take in a lot of birth stories anyway. Um, So, you know, just enjoying my time with my little one and being relaxed is my goal.
0: And we touched on it a little bit beforehand, but I wanted to, being the lactation nerd that I am, um, just speak a little bit about you are still nursing um, your daughter and just what that, journey has kind of looked like and how that's going
2: yeah so like i said to you guys i'm like currently sitting here with like the first signs of leaking on my dress here (laughs) so i hadn't had any of that happen since anaya was maybe one one year old so about a year ago um but yeah the nursing journey while being pregnant has had its fluctuations For the most part, I'll say that it was, or has been, and continues to be a really nourishing journey for both of us, a nice bonding experience. And I still have all the feels that I have with her before being pregnant. Um, And I'll say for the most part, because there was about a week, and I wanna say it was around like 33 weeks, 34 weeks, where I had very intense aversions. And I asked myself if it was going to be best if I weaned her at that point, because I felt averted, like seeing her nurse, feeling her nurse just did not, it was not comfortable to me. And it was even starting to get painful. Um, So I said I was going to give myself a week, you know, if I had put in this much time with her, it had been over a year and a half at that time, then giving ourselves a week to see if it subsided was um, was appropriate. So uh, about three or four days later, I ended up uh, coming out of those aversions and I haven't had any since. And I'll say I'm an advocate of it. I turned to meditation at that point, too, where when I was nursing her, I did less of the looking at her and more of um, feeling her, closing my eyes, and allowing myself to imagine the milk running down, and and just really get into the reason why I do it for her. Um, And, you know, nursing is a mutually beneficial experience, and sometimes I think we go into it thinking it's a sacrificial experience, but once we go through our own nursing journey, a lot of us with little ones, everyone's journey is different, of course, like birth. Um, we see that it's a really mutual, mutually beneficial relationship to have with them. It's a way to comfort your baby. It's also just um, really good, you know, at decreasing the Um, possibility of getting any type of breast cancer, ovarian cancer. So there's a lot of really beautiful things about nursing. Um, And for me, you know, nursing her during pregnancy has been, um, it's been good. I mean, simply put, it's been really good, really smooth. I'm thankful for it. Um, And I plan on just going about tandem nursing, you know, if that's something that fits for all three of us because it's a relationship (laughs) you know your body is the vessel and you're the one with the milk but it's a relationship so now he's joining us on that relationship you know so there's gonna be three of us now (laughs) it's a relationship
1: that you ebb and flow through (laughs) yes I like how you just transitioned yourself through that um, when you felt like stopping and really started feeling kind of hard and kind of a reset, right? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And I know that some women go through aversions for longer and it's something that really they can't get through. And I totally understand that too, you know, but since I hadn't had any of that occur before, you know, you're pregnant, you're hot. If you're nursing, you're touched out. You know, so I also was factoring in all of these other things that could have been playing into this aversion that didn't necessarily make it a true aversion, if that makes sense, um, where it's something that can't be worked through or, um, you know, is just uh, mentally something you can't get through as far as a block goes. Um, But yeah, it's hard to explain. (laughs) It's hard to explain nursing and the nursing journey, <laughs> especially when you have toddlers. Have you all nursed toddlers before?
1: Yep. <laughs> currently, I am currently.
2: Yeah, no, you know.
0: It's a acrobatic experience of they come and go as they please. It's
2: just, yeah. I have to hold her close. It's like, we're not, mm-mm.
1: Mm-mm. Focus let's, let's, let's have a hug and get a snack.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to be honest ladies I'll tell her like my nipple is not lappy taffy you need to stop. Don't pull away like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're a professional nurser now and you know what you're doing. <laughs> Kristen, let's talk with birth. Um, you shared a lot of information with us so far about how you do support your families. How did it come about like with some birth yoga? So
2: I've been a, a yoga and meditation guy for about seven years now, coming up on seven years. And, uh, and it just really swiftly transitioned. You know, After I got pregnant, it, I had never had an interest in helping women who were pregnant before with yoga and meditation ever, ever, ever. But after I got pregnant, it just seemed right. Um, there were only certain pockets of communities for birthing women uh, in, in Amarillo at the time where I lived. And I thought yoga and starting a yoga class that was uh, series-based, so four or six weeks, would give people the community that they needed while being pregnant, you know, along with obviously the beautiful benefits of breathwork, meditation, movement, and getting the body physically prepared. Because ultimately, when you start to get into motherhood, uh, single friends can be wonderful and they can definitely be very supportive. If they're empathetic to the journey, but you need other women around you who understand motherhood and are gonna go through the things that you've gone through or already have. So I thought, you know, what better than to place this passion and purpose for. Um, for yoga and meditation with uh you know pregnancy birth and the motherhood journey and so that's when our blissful birth started and like i said i mean i was parallel with these ladies uh for the first couple sessions uh because i was also pregnant too but after i had my birth experience i was like oh no this is the juice you know the meditation um, the yoga movements to get your body ready. This is really what women need. Um, so after that, it seemed even with more of a vigor that I started to promote and I actually started to link up with other birth workers. So doulas in the area, midwives. So it became, uh, while well, it started as yoga more for pregnant women, then it became pregnant women and yoga bringing it to them that makes sense you know so i started in my yoga studio with the first classes and then i transitioned into my midwives birthing place you know after i had had anaya because i saw that it made more sense and it was more of a safe space to bring yoga to women who were already in a birthing community you know who were seeking doulas and seeking midwives and seeking even obgyns that i had talked to who were seeking Uh, other ways to prepare for her Um, because I always like to tell people, you know, prenatal yoga is not putting pregnant women in yoga poses. It's looking at the pregnant woman and what she's about to go through or what she's going through and deciding strategically what poses really are for her, what meditations are for her and what are going to help her, you know, and it doesn't look like just coming in, rolling out your mat, and then rolling it up and leaving, it looks like having conversation about how everybody's feeling that week, what they're going through. Because through telling those stories at the beginning of class, you know, there's other women who are either behind or ahead of her and they look at her and they say, okay, I'm gonna think about that. If I go, you know, if I go through that, that's normal. Or, um, or, oh yeah, I went through that. It subsided, you know? Blissful birth is about community It's obviously about yoga, meditation and everything that can do for you as you transition into uh, into motherhood from pregnancy, pregnancy birth to motherhood. Um, but it's also about advocacy. So just raising up awareness with those conversations and those friendships in class and then also me giving out uh, you know, a little homework here and there books they can read recommendations as far as different articles they can read about um, You know, just all the decisions you have to make right after you have the baby, Uh, even talking about subjects like circumcision and things like that, just to start to get a conversation flowing and um, to look at other people's experiences, too.
0: That's the beauty of storytelling. (laughs) True. (laughs) It really does. It allows for conversation and sharing and connection. Um, So. love it um is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners from your birth from your work just anything else you want to leave them with
2: i believe like the most lasting thing i could leave someone with is probably um just the practice that i do teach you know and just opening up invitation to people if they're interested in or if they are a birthing parent that's looking at going into their journey of birth and um, parenthood that they can contact me and reach out and we can talk about setting up meditation or getting them involved in any of the virtual courses that i do have if they're locally houston obviously looking at setting up a different type of meeting is possible and i just think that that's really the gift i've been given Uh, So that's what I can leave people with.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. There's power in sharing our gifts. So an invitation to receive your gift is a beautiful thing to leave. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you you for your story. Thank you for all the gems from this episode. I'm like (laughs) screaming so excited in my head right now.
2: <laughs> well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for allowing me the space to share and, um, and for also gifting me, you know, a sense of peace and insight, even an enlightenment on how I'm feeling. And I, I just believe that this is so perfectly placed before our baby boy's birth. Thanks so I appreciate that stories
0: in color to hear this show and other episodes Head to birthstoriesandcolor